Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point, through the good times and the bad, and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on the podcast, I spoke to Paula Baccia, the author of the cookbook Italian Street Food, also her new book, Adriatico. Paula started off her career as a dentist, but her true passion is in Italian food. Both her parents are Italian, and she's she studied and lived in Italy for a short period of time when she was a child. Paula also runs cookery classes and food tours around Italy where you can go to Italy with Paula and go and visit the places that Paula visited when she was doing the research for her most recent book. Talking to Paula, you feel like you're speaking to someone who's truly found the passion after many years of looking. We broke down the book, we broke down the chapters, we spoke about some of the places that she visited, some of the experiences that she got from when she did when she did her tours to do the research it was really it was, some of the places are really fascinating forgotten towns and olive oil presses from somewhere bc like years old and we also broke down some of the recipes which really resonated with me from brought back a lot of memories from my time in italy and whatnot it was it was a really good chat and i hope everyone enjoys it This week, the podcast is brought to you by City Larder, the charcuterie specialist, specialising in terrines, pâtés and rillettes for the retail and food service market here in Australia. City Larder just received two gold medals for the free-range chicken, leek and truffle terrine and also the free-range chicken liver pâté. The only charcuterie company to receive uh, gold medals for terrines, pâtés or rillettes this year in the Australian Food Awards. Now, over to the show. Paula, thanks very much for coming. Thank hey, you yeah. very much, Robbie. No, I, I, see, I found you on Instagram, funny enough, through a friend, um, a mutual friend, I guess, Julie Jones. Julie. I, yeah. love, I love Julie. We bonded over um, our mothers, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got an elderly mother. I just went to see her now. She's in an aged care facility, yeah, but yeah. she was out at home until three months ago yeah. and a big thing on instagram for me was lunches with my mother yeah. and everyone would love the f- and she'd pose like have I've you, seen you ready to take a photo yet <laughs> she's very cool but now she's in an aged care facility and i'm arguing with them about the food yeah yeah we've my wife's great auntie's also in a in a aged care facility as well and yeah i think that's one of the things for her also is the food um yeah so that's how i found you so thanks yeah, for coming my pleasure um, do you want to just take two minutes and tell us who you are and what you're doing pronounce sure. your name sure okay so my name is either in italian paola bacchia or in english paula bacchia so i'm really happy to be called paula because i hate being called paola which <laughs> which happens sometimes which is a bit weird so i um i'm italian my mum and dad are Italian and um, and came here in the 50s and migrated here after World War II. And my sister and I were both born here, although we uh, migrated back to Italy in the 70s and sold everything and I went to school there for a bit and they called me Paola there. They didn't even call me Paula. And then I came. we came back to Australia eventually because my father couldn't find a job. Back to nothing. Couldn't, back to, they'd used everything. They'd saved for 20 years 
and they came back with nothing and had to start again. My oh. father at like 50-something and, you know, worked two jobs and worked till well into his 70s actually to pay off the house, which we've just sold because my mum's moved into an aged care yeah. facility. So my story with food is I'm Italian, so we talk about food all the time and always have, but I'm actually a dentist by profession. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No I, practice No, anymore. no, no practice anymore, although I do work one day a week for the regulator for APRA. Um, and that's APRA is not the one who does the stuff with the performing arts. It's APRA, the Australian Health Practitioner oh, I Regulation. It, I, thought, I thought it was a black lady who's on yeah, the yeah. show. <laughs> oh, that's Oprah. <laughs> very close, very close. So I, I do that a day week because it pays the rent. Um, but I haven't done um, real dentistry for quite some time um, because this is much more fun what I do now, which is um, living my passion. So cooking, I run cooking classes in my home in Fitzroy, just up the road here. Mm. And I run tours in Italy food tours and I write cookbooks and have a blog and have an Instagram, Italy on my mind. Yeah, awesome, awesome. How was your last trip to Italy? Amazing, Robin. It? it was really, really good. So I went to run a tour. So it was my first Trieste tour. So my family is from that area. Trieste is up in the northeast corner of Italy where it borders with Slovenia. When my father was born there, that part of Italy was all, well, it was all Italy. Then it was after, in 1947, the, the Yugoslav, Tito, came in and all the Italians left. Yeah. Like 90% of the population was Italian and they all left Good like deal. in a couple of days on ships um, and took everything they could carry on the ship. So my father left, they left two homes there. He left with his mum and dad. So he was a war refugee. He's done that a few times then, hasn't he? He's rebuilt, he's restarted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. he's Bloody. restarted. So he was uh, always on the move. But actually he loved home. He was very passionate about having having a, a beautiful home and making a special home for my sister and I to grow up in. And, you know, the veggie garden, the home-cured salame or capocollo and prosciutto, the passata, the wine, the grappa, which is probably illegal. We'll cut that. No, no, no. Homemade grappa is excellent. And um, so I grew up into that food culture yeah. in spite of my dentistry you know thing that happened but you know you have to have a profession and what do you know when you're 17 and you finish year 12 you go oh yeah I got I got enough marks to get into that yeah Yeah. I'll do that I remember when we were at school it was always like I want the job that's going to make the most money I want to be do you know what I mean that's what it was back then well for for, for most kids that was it wasn't it yeah and to tell you the truth I worked in the public sector most of my life so we don't we get a salary Mm. we don't I never made you know those orthodontic things anyway so uh yeah so my last 10 years I guess of my life have been um, have been the food the food yeah. side of things and then the tours so are there English people I'm sorry English are there Australians right. or are there people from around the yeah. world or so back to the tours that's yeah. right I yeah. get you'll have to you'll right. have to take me back online because I can talk about this for hours <laughs> you know so we did it was my first tour that I've run um, on my own not through um, another group mm. um, of of Trieste and 10 people came along so for the first one I only wanted 10 people yeah. um, I thought that would be a manageable um group and I've got someone in Trieste a fellow called Massimiliano Milic or Max as we call him it's easier than Massimiliano and um, so I had six Australians and four Americans and how did they find me on Instagram Facebook really or my website and were there Australians Mm. living in Australia and Americans living in America or were there other words yeah yeah and you just all flew into their yep 
Yep. So we all we met at a hotel. So they organised all their um, their flights and everything over there. And then the tour package included the accommodation, nearly all the meals, and you know the bus that would take us around. So every day we did different foodie activities and went to see where they make prosciutto, you know, to a, where they make cheese, olive oil. Um, we went to a different historical cafe every morning for breakfast because yeah. Trieste is um, was Austria for five hundred years. And so coffee culture and, and cafe life is um, is important and cakes for breakfast. They're Italian. You yeah, know. standard. But, you know, they have strudel, they have um, linza tort, they have um, something called um, gibanica, which is uh, Slovenian in origin. So the cakes, uh, you know, you think of it as Italy, but it's that Italy that's it's a border town. Yeah, so you've yeah. got the um, Slovenian or influence or the Slavic influence. You've got uh, Austria that was there for 500 years as well as Italy. And the people there feel like they're Triestini. You talk to them and you say, Where, are you Italian? Go, oh, kind of, but I'm more Triestino, which is belonging to that town of Trieste. Oh, okay. It's interesting. Yeah. It's like Barcelona's a, little... a bit like that, I think, as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have their own language and they're, and they're all... all di- what do they call it? Um, it's Catala- it's yeah, Catalan. Yeah, Catalan. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dialect, isn't it? They call it mm. dialect. Yeah, so yeah. Italy is full of dialects. So I wouldn't, I cannot understand dialects from Calabria. So a lot of Italian migrants that came to Australia, there's a big proportion of them are from um, Calabria or Abruzzo, and they've all got dialects that I can't understand. You can yeah. get a, a word every now and then. Yeah. The dialect that I speak, which which is my first language, um, I grew up speaking that for you know the first few years of my life. Did did the school teach you English? Is that how? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Vene- it's a Venetian dialect, so yeah. it's pretty much like Venetian because that part of um, the. Adriatic coast was Venice for many years. The Republic of Venice was a very powerful force in the Adriatic. Yeah. Um, so our primary language is a Veneto dialect. And then I learned English. I've got a big sister who's 10 years older than me, Barbara, and she grew up only speaking dialect for the first five years of her life and went to primary school not knowing a word of English, which is difficult. But I knew English through her, although my father has always insisted, or did, he's passed away now, that we speak Italian at home or our dialect all the time, all the time. So we would get to trouble if he'd heard my sister and I speaking in English to each other. He'd say, you've got plenty of time at school to speak English in this house, you speak Italian. And I thank him for his, for his, you know, perseverance and insisting that Mm. because I have friends who could speak English at home and then they don't know the Italian. And I, and I do because I also went to school there and I, um, I keep, my Italian up. I read in it. All my novels are in Italian. I listen to Italian radio every day. Yeah. My wife used to live in Italy, actually. Really? Yeah. I used to go to Italy quite a lot to Macerata. 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 Yeah. Beautiful. In the Marche, right? In the Marche. The Marche yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, I went yeah. to Le Marche to research one chapter of Adriatico. So yeah. I was based in um, a town called Numana and it's where it's um, Mount Conero. I don't know if you know, it's this sort of massive like mountain peak. It's where the Apennines hit the coast of the Adriatic okay. there. So it's quite high, like the land is quite high and there's big cliffs that drop into the water. Yeah. So it's stunning. The beaches you can't get to unless you like know someone with a boat yeah yeah Some yeah, yeah yeah so your wife went there yeah a lot, she, she studied because she studied languages she did spanish and oh. italian and because her spanish she she did at university her spanish she did spanish a level so her spanish was stronger than her italian she did zero italian until she went to university so she was an erasmus student Do you know erasmus mm. yeah mm. so um yeah so she went 
for nine months to Italy and then three months for Spain because it was Spain was a stronger one. So she had to take, so yeah, she went out there for study for a year all up. In yeah, in Mashrat, it was amazing. I used to fly out every six weeks. It was Beautiful. yeah, it was really really good. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I like you say the coffee and pastries for for breakfast and there was a little coffee shop and I, you, you pay for standing you pay to go you pay to sit down you know all like and this is back in 2000 and maybe 2001 or 2002 yeah. it, so it was you know it was it was back at, nah, obviously it wasn't like the 70s or whatever but it was still it, it's not like it is now I should imagine I guess it's moved on quite a lot since then well still, no I don't think it has no you think it's still pretty <laughs> I don't, traditional no, I don't think it like that that sort of cafe culture and standing up at the bar and having you know like a one euro coffee coffee is yeah, one euro yeah. and they do it so quickly yeah. like you know here and I don't want to you know pick on any coffee places but there's everyone has so so um particular requirements for coffee and there's six people making coffee and mixing something and doing yeah, that, and yeah. about six people waiting to be served. And in Italy, there's one guy behind the bar and a queue of 10, and he just bang, bang, bang. But all they have is coffee. You have coffee with milk or without. Yeah, yeah, no messing around. <laughs> I had my, my, my best ever coffee works. It was in it was in Italy. It was beautiful. It was when like the milk was real dense. It was just phenomenal. And what's that? Vinci Grassi. Ah, Vinci Grassi. Uh, yeah. so Vinci Grassi is a very rich dish, typical of Le Marche. Yeah, and it was, it's a type of lasagna. It's sort of layers of meat uh, and, and awful, pasta. Quite a lot of awful, yeah, awful in it. And beautiful. Anyway, what's your favorite? What is your favorite place in Italy? Would you say? I'll have to say Trieste, of course, because uh, I'm from there. I feel very connected even though I don't I mean I've got some family that live outside of there but yeah. I feel they speak that that dialect I was talking to you about and they're actually many of them are enormously tall like me because right. I'm I'm six foot tall and are you six foot yeah, yeah I am and oh, 182 centimeters if you want to be metric <laughs> about it um but there are a lot of tall people too and the fellow I run the tour with Max is about 190 so you know they were saying oh you you people as tour guides you don't need to hold a stick you yeah. just stand there you've got these two heads in front of us so you've got two books out right yeah you, you, yeah, yeah. You, the italian street food is that that's yep. the first one that where, where did you go to research that so i went and the whole story behind italian yeah. street food is interesting because it happened because of instagram i think really yeah well i think julie said the same thing yeah it's um paul mcnally who's the um owner of uh, smith street books i'd pitched to him well indirectly when he was at Hardy Grant and sort of half-heartedly and he said oh you know that's nice but we're really busy at the moment or whatever Mm. and just kept my details and then when he was at Smith Street Books he sent me an email and I was still working like three days a week at the dental hospital as an executive director yeah and um I got this email that I you know how engaged was I in the meeting this email pops (laughs) up and I'm like oh what's happening on my phone and it's like hi I've you know heard about you and your you know like uh region food and everything do you want to write a book about italian street food so that's the way it happened yeah and so you didn't you hadn't it wasn't your thought to do the a street no, food or anything no, but it's just no. what they felt there was a little gap in the market for that yeah they did and so i met with paul and i said look i'd love to do a book i'm totally flattered you know how exciting but does it have to be street food and you're he not said, keen on that and he said yes i went I can do that. Yes, I can do that. (laughs) Sounds great. I love love street food. So I went home and, um, you know, talked to my husband and was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I said, I have to go to Italy. I cannot um, do a book about Italian street food sitting in Melbourne. Yeah. 
No. So within a month, I was on a, a, sorry, a plane. You, 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 you want to be able to sell it as well, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Like sell it with conviction and, and tell the stories. Yeah, of, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're yeah. going to do it, you might as well do it. Yeah, you have to do it properly. I yeah. mean, authenticity is, is the key. It doesn't matter if you lose money on it. I mean, it's about... Um, it's just one of the ways that you make a bit of money. And books don't make a lot of money, let's, yeah, yeah. let's, let's face it. But it certainly puts you out there. And Definitely. I find the whole process very, very exciting. So I got out a map of Italy and I thought, oh, where am I going to go? And I thought, Sicily, I'd been there before. And I know that they have uh, street food. They have the fried panelle that are the chickpea fritters. Yep. They have this other thing in called a fritola. Have you ever been to Palermo? No, I don't think so, no. Mm. So these, these guys walk around with this basket of something in it and it's got like a, a checked cloth over it. And if you ask for a fritola, they'll get out a bread roll and they'll open the basket and only they can see what's in it. It's all sorts of intestines and offals and bits of I don't know stuff (laughs) that no one wants to know exactly what it is and it's um yeah so I didn't put that in the book because like number one I wouldn't cook it and I probably wouldn't eat it I tasted it but that's it yeah so I went to um I thought I've got three weeks I'll spend Christmas with my family up around Trieste and so I picked like eight locations and I started off in Rome Rome, lots of street food. Yeah, I went yeah. to the Testaccio Market, um, caught up with Rachel Roddy. So, you know, there's um, also through Instagram, there's a network of people who know each other. Like you mightn't have met them, but you've connected because you talked to like Julie. If yeah, I yeah. went to the UK, I'd go, hey, Julie, can you come and meet? I know she's super busy now with all the Jamie Oliver stuff, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, you'd, She'd you'd, find yeah, you'd, you'd find time because yeah. you've connected and you've had conversations with them yeah. in whatever Instagram way. Buddies, aren't you? It's amazing. And yeah. when I, I remember the first time I met someone from Instagram, I thought, oh, this is really – it's like a blind date. We're really weird. Are they a mass murderer? But now it's – I meet so many people yeah, through yeah. Instagram. It's just such a good vehicle. Like how many people are good? There's very few people that aren't good. Yeah. Yeah. Even if everyone's good, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But you know what they like? And people, you know, when I meet them, they go, oh, how's such and such? I'm thinking, how do you know this much about me? And I thought, yeah, because yeah, I wrote yeah. about it. That's why. Yeah. So I went to uh, Rome. I went down to Sicily. I went over to Naples, which was fascinating. And my father had always told me not to go to Naples because he said they're Violent. all thieves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they'll steal you, you know, they'll come and take your bag from, they'll be on a motorbike going past and they'll grab your handbag and everything. But I found it, you know, pretty safe. Yeah. And I had a good time there as well. It's, it's a historic area. It's fantastic. That, I stayed you, in the you, middle of it. Mm. You you passed there to go to... To go to Pompeii. Pompeii, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'd been to Pompeii, but yeah. I'd always hadn't stopped. Yeah, you Because never, I thought, no, no, because I thought, no, my father will, you know, like mm. he's in his grave now. But I, I just hadn't. Ultimately in Italy, there are so many places oh. to see. You can't stop yeah, everywhere. Sure. So this time I went and spent four nights in Naples and... It's really, there's so much street food there. They do it really well. They do rum barba. Don't ask me how, but they walk along the street eating them. There's a lot of uh, cakes and sweets that they managed that I've turned into street food in that book. Um, Then after Naples, I went... I went to, I did go to Bologna, I went to Florence, caught up with my friend D'Amico Davies, who, who also writes cookbooks. She's an Australian Japanese married to an Italian guy. She's written, she's just finished her third cookbook. Um, What's it called? Um, her book will be called Tortellini at Midnight, the oh. third one, but the second one is called Acquacotta, and the first one's called um, Florentine. Mm, yeah, beautiful. yeah, she's good, she's good. And uh, Bologna. 
And I also went to Pescara in Abruzzo, oh, which yeah. is a lot along the coast, coast there because they yeah. have arrosticini, so those little skewers with the lamb with the meats of yeah, lamb yeah, that barbecue. They, they turn. Yeah. Um, they had fiadoni, these beautiful them. cheese bites. Oh, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And they have them little barbecue, little mini barbecue, like thin barbecues. At the, yeah, they do when they what, turn them. They turn, yeah, yeah. They turn the Japanese them. do it as a similar oh, kind of they? thing as well, yeah. Well, look, food transcends all, all um, boundaries, <laughs> all, all, all continents and all people, really. Because Definitely. if they've got that ingredient and it's fresh, they'll find something to do with it. If, it. if it grows there naturally and it's part of their traditions, they'll do something similar with it. Like, you know, pastas everywhere, really. It's yeah, not just yeah, Italy. noodles or whatever. Yeah, 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 100%. yeah. I am. Um, we. I went to, oh, I was, my, I forget names so bad. Uh, sis, was it Sardinia? Sardinia is an island. Yeah, it was an Planeta. You know Planeta, the wine. Planeta, it's a wine. I've heard of it. I think anyway. I think it says we went there and um, we had some street food. You had spleen. Have you had that? The spleen sandwich. That sounds like something you'd eat in Sicily. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, was, yeah it, was, it was it was pretty rough. Oh, you mean... Was, that was street food. You literally... People would just pull up in the cars. It'd be like in a little booth and it'd just be like... And it was like the, the chickpea fritters as well. They, yeah, yeah, they the panelle. Also, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a sandwich. Chickpea yeah. fritters in a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Loads of lemon. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it, they're look, really good. Mm, they were great. And... Um, yeah, and the, and the spleen, the spleen was... was a, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, they no, have, in Florence, they have something called Lampredotto, which is like tripe, but it's a different stomach, different stomach number. Okay. Um, one of them is the third and one of them is the fourth. Don't ask me which. Okay. And they're also cooked there in vans. So there are Lampredotto vans and you go there and you get it in a sandwich and you get a glass of wine because Italians are civilised. At lunchtime, they'll have a glass of wine and then go back to work. Good on them. Like, yeah, come yeah. on. Like, <laughs> yeah. soft drink is much worse for you than yeah, wine. Yeah, come for on. sure, <laughs> definitely. Uh, one, of my, my, one of the best meals I've ever had was in Florence. Actually, it was in a place called uh, Enateca Pinchiori. Oh, really? It, do you know, yeah. it was a two-star at the time and... We booked in. I didn't really know Beck was there. We were traveling. You know, another thing about Florence, just to, we were getting the, the, the bus from um, from Macerata. Sorry, apologize for the, the for the pronunciation. No, no, no Macerata's good. And then we were getting the bus. We were on the bus for like, I don't know, an hour, two hours or whatever. And I said to Beck, are we going to, I thought we were going to Florence. And you said, we are. We just kept on going. I said, well, why is none of the signposts say Florence? And it says, what it says. It's Firenze. Got, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, where are we going? Why is it not? And she was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. What's it called? It, Firenze. Yeah, Firenze. Yeah. So that was pretty funny. Yeah. Where did they get Florence from? I don't know. So, no, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. But we just translate that to but Florence. But we do. I mean, it's like Le Marche. Yeah. They, the marches. Now, where did the marches come from? from i don't know like it like it's like marching like yeah, yeah. it's not <laughs> but again about the about the match right the the hills and you see the old ladies marching up them hills maybe that's oh, where they maybe got it from, from that. yeah because all these ladies <laughs> with the shopping bags are like like tanks do you know what i mean they just don't stop it and some space in spain as well the late the old ladies are just bombing around with the, the shopping baskets it's amazing well they have to until an elder quite an old age because they have to just go up and down hills so they become yeah. very strong and very sure-footed yeah. rather than people here who are in cars all the time yeah 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 maybe that's why they live longer as well yeah yeah probably yeah, yeah, yeah. what was it out of all that street food that you had on that big trip what was it what was your favorite what did you like the best um Look, probably the different types of panini, like the panini fillings that you would get. Yeah, so yeah. a couple of memorable ones. Now, one I didn't put in the book just because people would have gone, you can't have that. Um, it's one I had in Florence with raw pork sausage and stracciatella cheese. 
it was. It was like a fennel, a sausage with fennel in yeah. it. And it was so good. They just barely took the... She got the sausage, she spread it on the, opened up the, you know, membrane, spread yeah. it on the bread and just barely warmed it in the griller, not so it would cook, but just so it wouldn't be cold. Yeah. And then put the cheese on it and it was down to die. And I, I, I ate it here too, but people would have a, they think yeah, it'd be yeah. a bit weird about eating raw pork mince. I heard you say as well, which I thought was really good, is even though it's street food, it's not fast food. Yes, that's that's a. I think that's a great say, like like great line to be fair, because the quality is still still there, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? This is still the same amount of care, quality of ingredients, but it's just served on the street. You know, yeah. Look, it's not mass produced. Yeah, and I guess that one thing that happens in Italy and many European countries is is the piazza is like you know it's like the central meeting place it's not like that the square right? yeah yeah, yeah. which is the town square Square, it's like the piazza and the bars that are on on the square they're almost an extension of the piazza in summer so people sit outside people stand outside and they're always eating like if you have a drink in Italy you don't just have a drink generally not yeah. like here you go to the pub and, you know, then yeah, there's yeah. no food. Yeah. But in Italy you get an aperitivo, you get a glass of wine and they'll give you something to eat, even if it's just crappy chips, which unfortunately they do that more and more. But if you go to a good place, you'll get a few slices of their homemade salame, a bit of cheese, maybe something cooked, a yeah. fried ball or Some something. Something on a skewer. Yeah, or something on a skewer. Yeah. And that's included in the price of the drink, which is about €4. Euro. Yeah. Which is about six dollars. Yeah. Not saying anything about the prices of wine here. No. <laughs> You can blame the government, I reckon, for tax on that, oh, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, 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 totally. And I get it. I, yeah, I do yeah. get it. But it always hurts when I come back from Italy and I've been paying three, four euros for something and it's yeah, $17. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. The, the, just going on to them, like the little bits, I remember when Beck was in, was in Italy and we would go to like a wine bar or whatever and sometimes, you see, you know, you just get little little bits with a drink. Some places would just have the whole bar would be like at five o'clock, they would just fill the bar up and you just get, you'd order a drink and you get a plate and you just, it was like a buffet. You just go, go up yourself yeah. and just get what you, no one took the piss, you know what I mean? You just took yeah. a, f- a few little bits and chatted, glass of wine, <laughs> go and get another one and, and, and that was it, like it's sandwiches. Cool. It's called aperitiena. So it's like aperitivo slash cena means dinner. Oh, okay. So aperitiena is the um, is a term they use. So some places do it where you do have a whole lot of food. And people, you're right, they don't go and fill up their plate like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's exactly. like an all-you-can-eat Chinese restaurant. Yeah, exactly. They'll just, you know, like fill up what they need to have with it because they'll go home and have dinner later. Yeah. You know, they're not. Yeah, exactly. Not, not yeah. greedy. And I guess because it's there all the time, they'll just come back tomorrow. And it'll be there. I guess if you abuse it, you'll stop doing it. So, you know, mm-hmm. you just enjoy it. But the other thing I used to love about it, what's it called when the people come out for a walk at like five o'clock? Passeggiata. Yeah, passeggiata. Yeah, mm. that, that's awesome. I love that. Mm. What, you, could you explain it? What is it? Yeah, so the passeggiata is actually just means going for a walk. But yeah. it's sort of a leisurely stroll that you take usually um, in the afternoon, in the late afternoon, before dinner to get your appetite happening and you might even stop for an aperitivo at the same time or a bit of aperitivo and go for a walk um and people well in the old towns like when I was a child and living in Monfalcone the town that we moved to everyone would get dressed up yeah, to do yeah. it because it, it, you've got you've got to look you know, la bella figura which means having you know making having a um, and making a good appearance or, you know, because back then people, oh, did you see what she was wearing? Mm, you know, so there's yeah, a bit yeah. of the gossip attached to it. Um, but it's a lovely thing to go walking um, in Italy because, you know, the food is really, can be quite rich and there's a lot of it. But yeah, Italians yeah. aren't, 
you know, except for the ones that might eat fast food now, which is not street food. Yeah. Um, they're not actually huge or, you know, they really value good food and they value walking around too. Italians mm. walk a lot. When I first got there and I was like, why is everyone out walking? Like, and the, you know, then you, you start doing it yourself. You're like, oh, this is really good. I really enjoy this. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you say, especially the small little villages or the smaller towns, you know, where, and the lights are on and maybe someone might, you might even stop at the ice cream, but you know, like the ice cream place and, and just have a coffee at the ice cream place. It's just, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Or a gelato. You have to have one gelato a day when you're yeah. in Italy, at least <laughs> yeah. one. In summer, you might even have two. Yeah. <laughs> but you walk it all off. Yeah, it definitely, definitely. And now you've got a new book. You put up Adriatico. Uh, so Adriatico, Adriatico. with an um, with a Aussie or English accent, or else Adriatico. So Adriatico is the name of the sea. So it's Il Mare Adriatico, East or Adriatic Co- Sea, East, East Coast. Yes. Yeah, it's off the East Coast. So it's the whole east coast of um, of the Italian peninsula, from the tip of the boot. If you think of Italy like a boot, because yeah. it's shaped like a boot. Yeah. There's the tip of the heel in the um, Puglia, the south of Puglia, the Salento, going all the way up to Trieste, which is the very northeast corner, which is the top cuff of the boot and the northeast that borders with Slovenia. Why did you decide to go there? Or was it again someone asked you to do that? No, 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 no. This, this, is, this was my... This um, is what you wanted to do. Yeah, this was my, my pitch to my publisher after, I, um, after Italian street food. And, I mean, my family's from the Adriatic, so there's a strong family connection. Yeah. But I wanted to include the whole Adriatic coast because no one had done it before, had connected it in a book where it's just the Italian Adriatic. So I did yeah. a bit of research and I thought, no one's done that. That's awesome. What a good idea. And it's also, the, it's a nice journey. Most of the coast is skirted by a road called the Adriatica, SS16, I think, state okay. road. Yeah. And so How you close follow, are you to the coast? Not close all oh, the time. Okay. Sometimes you're inland, but sometimes you are by the coast yeah. and it skirts it all the way up to Venice. And then the rest of the coast between Venice and Trieste, I know very well because my family lives there. I've done it like so many, so many times. <laughs> so I know it really well. So I... So um, did you start at the bottom and go up? Yeah, look what I went over for three months and my husband husband had long service leave which was really nice because Perfect. usually I'm traveling on my own and everyone says oh you're so lucky to travel I'm like yeah but being on your own all the time yeah it's not good and you do catch up with people but it's still you're on your own like yeah yeah you're still you know. going back home yeah and going back home and on your yeah, own yeah, like yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like a loser no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so it was lovely having him there so we started off a month in Trieste so I could just you know, think of your planet because, um, you know, I feel more at home there. And then we flew down south to Brindisi and hired a car and slowly made our way up the coast. Now, I didn't divide it into regions because there's also more regions and there are chapters. Actually, no, it's the same number, but one region, Molise, has got an opening of about onto the coast of about, I don't know, 20 or 30 kilometres. It's not very much at all. And so... It just felt false dividing it into regions, which are um, almost artificial borders in terms of because everything's continuous. You know, yeah. when one region stops, another one starts. It doesn't yeah, change yeah. immediately. Yeah, it's yeah, sort of, of continuous. So I picked out ge- geographic features on the coast that I thought were interesting. Um, like, like the olive oil. What is, is yeah, the, uh, Salento? Salento? Salento. So Salento. the Salento is the bottom half of, um, or it's the the pointy bit. So on the back oh, the of the book, there's a map. Yeah, on the back of the book, there's a map, and I will turn. Um, Robbie's oh, on the yeah. book here, so I'll turn it over because the publisher oh, um, did a, a map. Michelle McIntosh, who was the uh, graphic designer who did the book, which That's a great looks, idea. Yeah, it was really nice because I wanted to, because otherwise it didn't make sense to people. Yeah. So you've got um, the tip of the boot, which is called the Salento. 
Valentine Peninsula or Il Salento. And it's where I'm running a tour in April with um, a tour company called Southern Visions Travel. And that's a fantastic luxe six night tour. Um, then, and Christine Mansfield's running tours at the same time there. So I'm in very good company Beautiful. with that one. Then Il Gargano, which is also part of the same region. And it's, again, a peninsula again, eh? Yeah, it's a little spur of, it's a spur yeah. at the back of the, of the heel, yeah. um, if you think of it as being a boot. Yeah. And I had to pick, um, and I wanted to pick geographic features that I could describe and then to find an ingredient or something that was particular about that that region and then talk about it because as you would have seen Adriatico is about the food but there's also a lot about the local ingredients and about traveling along that coast so it's more than a, a recipe a list of yeah. recipes well that's what I really when I, I started reading it and we'll get into each one well not each one of them because we want to spoil it but there's a couple there that like there's quite a little bit of history in there as well mm. which I, I, I love the history of food especially the way things get places people know I always go on about it but there's a little bit more about that but going back to the olive oil there what was it like? Amazing? Oh, it, it was amazing. And we're actually going to one of these places on, on my tour. Um, yeah. Oh, not my tour. The Southern Visions Travel Tour that I'm doing the last week of April. And there are still some spots, people. Not oh, yeah. many, but a few. Yeah. We go to an olive press, which is an underground one that is pre-Roman. It's from Jeez. Greek times. And it's owned privately, which only only in Italy could something like that yeah. be owned. So you can walk all over it and touch it all. Yes, like not a not a not a museum or no, something. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's the real deal. Yeah. So it's got a Roman um, press, the whole the whole and I described the system in there, but also the, the Greek press, because the Greeks were there before the Romans. The Greeks brought horses over to that peninsula and in fact there are some dishes that are still made with horse there. One called Pezzetti di Cavallo, which I like horse. Yeah, I don't yeah, know horse if that's is okay. Good. To say, but no. horses are eaten a lot in Italy, and, and it's a France. really nice yeah, yeah. meat. I had a beautiful um, tartare of horse when I was there in Milano, which was excellent. Yeah, I could imagine. Really good. Um, so with the olive oil, this this press is is incredible, and it's also got the medieval press. It's got the whole whole. And then upstairs, you climb up. Are they using stairs. that? Are they using that? No, they're not, they're using, they're not using that. Using They've it. got a more modern one. Yeah, well, yeah. from about a hundred years ago, up, yeah. upstairs. But yeah. what happened? It's been in the same family for about seven generations, and before that, they know that it was from Roman times because they've got documents that talk about the planting of the trees and how far the trees are planted, that they know when they were planted and oh, the gro- configuration yeah, yeah, yeah. in which they're planted. They're Roman trees and they're absolutely massive. They're 2,000 years old. Jeez. It's it's incredible. And so it was in this – this place has been in Corrado's family for seven generations and his great-grandfather closed off the underground part because when they were making oil underground, they'd have animals down there with them to help them pull the, 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 the metal, the metal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Equip, I mean, not the metal, the stone equipment, yeah. and they'd sleep next to them because they'd keep them warm. Underground, the temperature is, is I think it's six degrees centigrade where under that oil goes hard and you don't want it to go hard. You want it to maintain it at a constant temperature temperature so having it underground was a very clever thing to do so anyway he closed it over and then they had a more modern press but this is still the early 1900s upstairs a wooden one and they worked that so that the underground part didn't get touched for over 100 years which is good because in the 50s and 60s the no Italians respect. were getting rid of like yeah, old stuff yeah, we don't yeah. want old Junk. stuff we want brand new stuff this is crap what do you mean Romans yeah, crap yeah. so it's really good that it was covered over I think they've applied for heritage listing or whatever the equivalent is yeah. in Italy so I don't know how for how much longer we'll have just free access to it yeah, so but enjoy we, it while it's there yeah we go there for an olive oil tasting during the tour and it's incredible for someone who's interested in, in history and how things were made definitely I mean who thought of getting 
getting an olive and squashing it and seeing what would happen. Yeah. Who thought of that? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> do they use do they use the green and the black olives? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just yeah, use yeah, them yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then to to certify it uh, extra virgin, it has to have a, there's a few things it has to be, doesn't it? Like there's parameters. So its level of, yeah. of, of acidity is really important. Yeah. Um and all this is in your book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of I went into research about like there's olive oil, there's salt, there's uh, citrus fruits, which yeah. were really big in the in the Gargano in the 1800s where they were transported to America. This was before they started really growing them in California. So I did a lot of research as I went along, which was actually really fun. Yeah. It was and taking photos. I took all the photos in the book too. Yeah, so, you're a photographer. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love taking photos. I really enjoy that. And I did them all in Italian street food too. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's great. So but just with the olive oil, it has to be under 0.8% Acid, is that right? Is that right? The acidity has to be under 0.8. It has to be pressed within 24 hours. 24 hours of collection. Collection, and it can't reach over a temperature of 27 degrees, right? During so, the processing, that's cold pressed. Yeah, the cold press. So that's awesome. I didn't know I didn't know the... Um, well, I didn't really know all of that, to be totally honest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew there was some parameters, but I didn't know the definitely the um, the acidity levels. I didn't know that acidity, and also the um, the pizzico, like the the like the burning sensation yeah. that you get. Yeah, when when you taste it, that's yeah. another thing. Um, the color really isn't that indicative of quality. They say, "Oh, it's green. It's good." It's not. It's just different. Mm. It's not. Um, but. You know, when you're um, making olive oil, you hope to get extra virgin, but you don't know whether that will come out that way. When the check, the, all when the, the time, check it, it's when it's it's when it's checked. So you don't know. You hope that you get a lot of extra virgin, but and I mean, you try to press it all within 24 hours, but you've got like weather and you know other things yeah, can yeah, go yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. They've also got a fly, La Mosca. Now, I think I've written the name in English. I looked up what it was called, but everyone called it La Mosca, which just means the fly. And it's mm. something that in that um, if it attacks the olives, then you'll get less extra virgin olive oil that impacts on the acidity level. Yeah. That's my understanding. And then you'll get the rest is just olive oil between 0.8 and 2, I think it is. Yeah. And then above that is just, they call it lampante, which is just oil. Mind you, you can process oil. So some of our extra virgin olive oil is like has a higher acidity level and everything and they process it to pull it yeah you know, oh, to, to, to bring it back to bring it back but then you've got to call it something different yeah okay and then for the olive oils as well you can you use different olive oils for different things right Absolutely. you would yeah like you would you would want maybe a bit more robust olive oil for a steak less for a for a fish let's you know make it simple and then you maybe you know for something else for a pasta and yeah. do, do they do all that in the tasting do they talk you through all that kind of thing Yes, they do. Yeah. They do. And they will have, because they'll often have different varieties of olives too, because, and then they'll make one that's pure, like in Trieste, we did an olive oil tour there. And Bianchera is the typical um, olive that grows in the area because it has to, there's an alpine wind there. So it has to withstand the wind. So it makes a different type of, there's so many, there's hundreds of types of olives. Yeah. And so some they'll make just with, you know, Bianchera and the other ones, they'll mix different varieties and then it'll come up with a different, different flavor. And then some might be better for fish, which yep. is lighter, right. or better for a meat, or in a salad dressing, 
or, you know, or very light even for cooking, um, yeah, yeah. like for cakes, to make cakes with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olive oil cake and whatnot. Mm, yeah, exactly, mm, exactly. Exactly. And then you also went, you'll have to help me out with this one. Yeah, yeah. Went with the oranges, what is it? Gar- gargano? Gargano. 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 Yeah. Which, was a, which was a really big citrus. And what was it? There was a town, what was the town called? There was a... Uh, uh, Rodi. Rodi Garganico. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the Gargano is a peninsula, which was actually a separate piece of... of of land it was an island and it was in some sort of geographic movement or you know like some land planes fell oh, and, and it joined to Italy wow. so you've got a very distinct line where you've got this really high high plain that's got a very ancient the Umbran forest which has got trees that are 800 900 years old um still on this and yeah. then you've got plains down in the mainland Italy so the Gargano has been for many years very separate to the rest of Italy because it before you know proper cars and roads it presented a physical barrier to actually get there Mm. also um i mean you had people there but they didn't really go out much they went out by the water by the sea you know going out by boat but not by land yeah yeah so many parts of italy were quite isolated before we had good transport and it was sort of the sea was used as their highways their roads because land was inaccessible so the gargano is um is a beautiful place. It's still Italians go there on holidays, maybe, but no one else does. No one oh, seems really? to seems to know about it. Would, would you recommend going? Oh, there? it's stunning. The really? beaches are beautiful. Peschici. There's some islands that you go. You catch a boat from Peschici, which um, the um, oh, the names escape me now. But they're just they're just up here. They're absolutely stunning. That whole yeah. coast. The beaches there are, are really beautiful. So they started. Um, growing oranges and lemons and in particular the sweet orange because oranges were bitter up until the 1600s which i didn't know no for that and, and the conf the, they reckon they brought them from china or india right yeah, Is that what you said? yeah 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 by yeah. the portuguese yeah the portuguese who were you know roaming yeah. around the oceans finding things and bringing them back so we've um they they started growing a sweet orange there which um which thrived they've got um a small um it's called the oasis of the citrus fruits where they've got a whole lot of different varieties still growing it's slow food presidium the other thing that i'll add is how i found all a lot of these places that i went to in italy was through the slow food presidium so what is that i know um, the slow food well i've heard of the slow food movement mm-hmm. and, and whatnot so what just tell you that more so about the presidia are like if there's a lo- um, group of local growers of a particular particular thing particular like the the broad bean the fava bean yeah um they uh, thought that they had a product that was that was pretty good, that was unique, that was you know n- native of the area that they wanted protecting. So they applied for to have it recognised like right, by okay. a so. So usually you've got someone who represents a group of growers, um, and they might have you know, and they run differently in each you know each yeah. one, and it just depends how active they are or how well protected. But they get a um, the, the mark, the stamp of how approval. They a, how that they it's get a been, better price or help you know yeah, understand yeah. it's like legit and the yeah, rest of it. but recognised as being a product that is you know grown usually through you know organic or biodynamic ways. There's a tradition. It's 
you know, done a certain way and there's a lot of care taken to it. It's not mass produced. It's yeah. not, you know, there's no chemicals, that sort of thing. Yeah. So in the um, Gargano, I found this oasis of the citrus fruits where they've got a whole lot of different varieties there and people mainly volunteer and, you know, look after them and they had a citrus festival on. So in Italy they have sagre. So a sagra is like a festival of a particular ingredient or, you know, you have an asparagus sagra in you know, spring or a chestnut one or the, um, the porcini mushroom ones in different towns they keep coming up with sagri all the time and it's just a celebration of a local ingredient usually at a time where it's harvested or it's in season or something like that because italians are very seasonal yeah um although you can find you know things from mexico in the wrong season like you can here which always drives me spare like why do you want to eat asparagus in autumn yeah. Like uh, as a supermarket, as yeah. a su- supermarkets, yeah, not, but, not the farmers' markets. You won't yeah. see it there. I know, I know, but people don't know. You know yeah, yeah. People don't. Even my husband, he was like, "What do you mean capsicums not in season in winter?" I'm like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> I know. Anyway, I, I bang it on about it all the time about the supermarkets and the rest of it. Oh, anyway, um, so in Italy they have a lot of these sagri. So they had one for the citrus fruits on the weekend where I was there. Which, that was good. Eh? Which good was timing. really good timing. Yeah. So um, they were doing things to celebrate the the fruit, and at the OIZ they had a whole lot of school kids that came along, and they were you know um, teaching them recipes with these citrus fruits they were making egg pasta oh, and there was eggs going ever you know there were little kids they were yeah, playing yeah, pasta yeah. but they made some beautiful biscotti using um that i've got in the book actually because yeah. I, I took photos for them and then they gave me the recipes and uh, uh beautiful spiral biscuits with uh with orange zest in one part and lemon in the other yeah. and um the jam and yeah various the various recipes so, i use your orange jam well I'm, I'm not gonna lie i used a percentage of your orange i, I used the method and, and, and a part of it and i amalgamated with another recipe just oh, recently yeah because it, yeah the orange jam yeah it's yeah. um it's if as long as you buy the right oranges yeah. it will turn out sweet yeah. like not a marmalade it'll be yeah, a sweet yeah. orange jam so i made it using the wrong oranges once and it came out bitter and i've so got I, some at home i use your t- you blanch them right you, you, you soak them you for soak 48 them, hours yeah, and, then, and you and put then, holes in them and you yeah. keep changing the water and then boil them right then did, did yeah. you yeah then boil them so I use that method because we got loads of oranges from the farmers market, but I also use the the uh, like a marmalade recipe to because I want to make a marmalade recipe. I want to use your method. So that's, you know. did it work? Did they work out sweet? I'll give you a jar. Okay, I'll give you fantastic. A jar I go. So it's an amalgamation. It's not one hundred percent your recipe, but it's your mm. method with a like mm. can It's raw. Actually, I'll show you where you go. It's raw on okay. the um on the on the okay. wall in there. Okay. Um. Yeah. The other great thing I, I read about in in the book was. It's got a springs, fresh springs under the that feed the feed the trees. Feed the, the trees, yeah. yeah which in is, the Gargano, yeah. In the Gargano, yeah. Which yeah. is that's amazing. Yeah. Like, well, they grew so well because it was the right environment for the them to grow in. And uh, the other thing about the citrus fruits is there's a town there called uh, Vico, I think, and Saint Valentine is the um, is a patron Pretty saint. Sweet, yeah. And the story is that if on St. Valentine's Day, if someone gives you an orange from the Gargano to drink, you'll fall in love with them. Yeah, yeah. So my husband was glad I wasn't there in, on the 14th of February <laughs> because I was talking to a really nice guy called Josette. No joking. <laughs> How were the oranges there? Like, really? Were they amazing? Were they, did they taste yeah, great? they were really good, but they, and were? they were also picked fresh. Yeah. See, they're picked and then sold because the growers are so close to where they're sold. I think that's in, in larger countries like yeah. Australia and America. There's a big lag time unless you go to the farmer's markets between 
Yeah, the storage, harvesting, stock and storage, yeah, yeah. truck distribution. Like these guys had stuff that was, you know, really fresh. So it was really good. I mean, they've got seeds in them. They've got, yeah. they're not like, they haven't been bred so they have no seeds or what. Do you know what no, I mean? No, we I seem to it, breed things so that they're perfect and they look great and everything. They looked wonky. They tasted great. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. Sweet and beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had the bitter ones too and they were good. We just found some along the road and, and they were bitter. Bitter oranges, yeah. Yeah, like I've never seen bitter oranges like that. Like they've got... Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. What an experience all that must have been, you know, like... And to be writing a book and taking photos, you must have been loving it, were you? Mm. Just oh, to- look, it's such an... Um, I really enjoyed the whole process yeah. around Adriatico, researching it and writing writing it up. I love writing and then editing all my photos. And then there's the cooking, of course, of all the recipes. And, I mean, I am uh, a cook and I've got cooking classes and I love cooking, but there's so many different elements that I like. It's not just the recipes. Of course. Like I said, that was the one thing that really stood out for me. I, I, I want to talk about some of the recipes, but the, the, the bits of history about the area I thought that was really fantastic about the book to be honest with thank you, you. No, thank you very much no, Robbie that's alright honestly um, and then I, I just want to go through some of the recipes uh, there's a, a chocolate pastry bites oh was, yum I made them a few days unbelievable. ago unbelievable <laughs> I was like they, they look really good another thing that I really liked about them was again food history, which I'm you know a bit obsessed about. Is the fact that they said they used to cook them in the baker's oven when the baker's oven was cooling down. Again, like in North Africa, they do it, and in in, Fran- in France, they do it with the, the Bollinger potatoes, and you know, and all all around the world, all different places do it. And this is another one I didn't know about that they used to do it. Yeah, so they called Bocconotti di Castelfrentano, and they called Castelfrentano is the town where they come from because there are Bocconotti in other towns, and they're a little bit. Different. Yeah. And when I was there, I met a fellow. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head because yeah. it was over a year ago, but yeah. he was actually writing a book about this particular Bocconotto. And so he talked quite a bit about it. And he said he'd send me a copy of his book, but he never did. But it doesn't <laughs> matter because I got down all the important points and referred to him in, in there. Um, and the story is um, is that in this town they used to they used to make these bocconotti and they'd make it after the people had finished baking the bread because the oven was still warm and make these you know bocconotti and it was two there was a few families who knew how to make it but it was the cooks in the family who would make it it wasn't you know the family members because yeah, yeah. they didn't cook of course they yeah. had they had the cooks and the cooks were related and therefore shared the recipe and you know yeah, gave it yeah. down the generations too because now they don't have the common the common oven the yeah, shared yeah, oven yeah yeah there's like a couple of ovens in the in the in the town you said in the town my yeah. mother remembers during the war going to um she's from a town in veneto um near televiso and she remembers her mother giving her loaves of bread to walk down to the raw yeah to be baked that's unbelievable. And it's so good. Like, when I, I was speaking to John from um, Tamantry, and he he, um, he has a bakery, and they said people would bring stuff there, and a tandoor also in, in um, yeah. excuse me, in India. Not everyone has an oven because it's so hot in the house, so people would bring their skewered meat to the place that had the tandoor. You'd tandoor the meat, and then you'd get your meat back. It's like, so again, all around the world, everyone's doing this, but in their own little... Now on their, their own little way, which I and find fantastic. And it makes fantastic. sense. When we're in a small village, 
to make use of these facilities. Yeah. You know, it, it makes sense. I was just in, I'm researching a third book about the Istrian Peninsula, which is, um, I'll show it, I'm showing it on the map of Italy, which is funny, but it's that little peninsula where my dad's from, which is just on the Adriatic, and now it's partly Slovenia and partly Croatia and a little bit of Italy, but it's got a real mixture of, clearly I'm Italian heritage and we were there. Now, in one town called Dignano, and it's changed names, it's got a, a Croatian name now, they've got three olive presses in the town for the locals to come in and bring their olives. It's and the same thing. You know, everyone now wants everything their own. Maybe they had a great idea then. You know, why Why have everyone have an oven? You know, have one community. Do you know what I mean? Like, but there yeah. is more communal living these days. People are, there's yeah. like... I guess it's called a cult in some places, but yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was considering joining one. It's a bit but, weird. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would be thought of as a bit weird, yeah. but back in them days, it was, you know. Yeah, commune. I think yeah. more, more like a commune. Yeah, 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 um, and yeah. I think there is something quite idyllic and beautiful about that, about that sort of sharing of, you know, of food and being able to make it make it together in some way. And um, children as well being brought up. Like yeah. you say, it takes a village to bring up a child and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested in all that history side and, and, and seeing how it goes. Another recipe that you've done, I'm going to go through a few here. Okay. The fish stew. You do a fish stew. Have you, okay. The reason, the, one of the reasons why I want to say about the fish stew is because I worked, at, I worked at Rockpool and we did a fish stew at, the, at Rockpool, which was phenomenal. It was one of the best recipes. Oh, really? It was unbelievable. Really, really good. And then again, in... Um, yeah, it's got like lemongrass in. It's got you know with Neil's a little bit of a yeah, twist, of course, yeah. but still amazing. Honestly, amazing, amazing, amazing. And um, uh, yeah, but then boy base probably just wrecking that pronunciation as well. No, no, when I think I, I think that sounded that quite right, right actually. We'll yeah, see. yeah, I like we'll I like boy I'm not French, but you know. Yeah, but that again. So I've always been a little bit obsessed with fish stews because again, when I was an apprentice, we used to have boy base on and. Yeah, I never really had that much seafood as a kid, and you know, and then you get all these different seafoods. So I've all, yeah, like I say, I've always enjoyed. If it's on the menu, I struggle not to get it. Put struggle it that not way. to get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, along the Adriatic, there's seafood everywhere, and and seafood stew is common, but. As a base or as a flavouring, they use different ingredients because it depends where you are along the coast what is. Like you'll find a lot of chilli down south, mm. but you wouldn't find it up north, um, even though the fish is essentially the same. And if you look at where seafood stew probably came from, it's either the fishermen or the people who sell fish, and it's what was left over at the end of the day yeah. um, because, you know, it was left over. So, so we may as well just it. cook, it, yeah, all, cook yeah. it all up. Um, so... I found a book in um, in in Le Marche which talks about. They said that there were a thousand osteria in this town of Ancona. Now, an osteria is like, um, and there's like osteria Ilaria. You know, there's osteria around here, but they're actually little corner places where you go. Food's almost an aside thing. It's um, you know, you go there for a glass of wine and to socialise, and they'll bring out whatever's fresh. It's not yeah. it's not a fancy restaurant, and osteria is quite low down in yeah. terms of fanciness of restaurants. It's whatever the so, cooking. Yeah, whatever they're cooking, whatever yeah. you know, whatever's fresh. They might have a few things tra- yeah. traditionally, and um, and this book was lovely because it described the history of a number of osteria that were around still in the forties and fifties, and this girl's father or whatever knew about. And yeah. so, it t- takes you through a few of them and some of the recipes that they they would do typically in in those. So it's based on on one of those recipes, and it's got saffron threads in it. Probably that's that's the different thing that, to that use one. compared to other ones. And the other thing is that she put the um, the squid in first. 
Oh, and let it braise a little and bit. And let that braise a little yeah, bit before yeah. adding anything else. Like, so yeah. the squid's in there. Like, even before you put in the onion, you know, you put in – oh, you put – actually, you put in the onion, the garlic – and the squid at the same time or yeah. any careful odds, anything that will take a long time to cook. And my mother never did that, actually. She would always put it in, you know, braise all the onion and everything down and then put it in. But putting it in at the same time means it's got heaps of time to become really tender. Yeah, that's a funny thing I find about squid. It's that middle one. It's like either long or really quick. Yeah, really, really quick. But yeah. I like the long. Yeah, yeah, long's great as well, for sure. I like long. The, another one that I've I seen in, your, in the book was, a, um, was the fig salami. Again, these are just when I was going through it. These are different recipes that really brought uh, memory, more, more brought memories back to me. Which was when I was working at a restaurant called Chadwick's, which was my the, one of the first place I ever worked. First place where I really felt comfortable. I'd probably been cooking for maybe a year and a half, two years, but I had a few shit experiences, and um, mm. yeah, it wasn't very. I was actually working at another restaurant down the road, and we didn't have a meat slicer, and. Um, we, I used to get sent up to Chadwick's. Chadwick's was like the, the in-restaurant in my area at the time. I used to get used up. Before service, I'd slice like 20 portions of antipasto or salami or whatever it was on there. Meat slicer, cling film it, go back, and then I'd be ready for service. And this one time, I always used to go in the kitchen and be like, oh, I wish I could work here, I wish I could work here. It was all quite like, um, there was no apprentices. It was just quite mature, like... I felt they were like probably 27, 28, but they were like, you know, when you're 17 or 18, yeah, they're like, the they're like yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah, they're like your dad. And then... Um, so yeah, and I said, oh, is there any chance of a job? I was just chatting and said, are you enjoying it down there? I said, no, not really. I'd prefer to be working here. I just kind of dropped it in. And they said, oh, the kitchen hand is going on, on holiday for a week. If you do the dishes for a week, when he comes back, I'll give you an apprentice job. I said, fucking done. That'll do me for oh, sure. For doing the dishes <laughs> yeah. for a oh, week. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, right, done. So then I went there and... The, one of the things that really stands out is this is the salami, the fig salami, which we used to serve with the cheese. Oh, did with you? the cheese there, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when I flicked through that, I was like, oh, there it is. So that's one of the, that's a memory for that one. This one is um, the name for it in um, it's from Le Marque again. Yeah. And it's called Lonzino di Fichi. So Lonzino means loin, like little loin, because it's shaped like a little loin, like cut of, yeah. of loin. But I couldn't call it Lonzino because it's a protected name. Mm. You know, it Italy has a lot of protected names. It's a DOP. Yeah, it's a DOP. So, and I've changed it up a bit. So what they would do at the end of the fig season would be they'd dry them. They had heaps of figs. They'd let them dry out. And then they'd roll them up with, um, with nuts and with vincotto. Vincotto is used, which is grape must none mm. none of this vinegar stuff in it it's just yeah. it's just grape must it's just grape juice it's been cooked down um it's used as a sweetening agent because they didn't have they didn't have sugar yeah so it's got vincotto it's got the dried figs it's got some nuts and it's got some aniseed in it to give it a really interesting taste traditionally it would be wrapped in a fig leaf yeah and then left to dry yeah, and we, then sliced up. we used mm. to use uh, like you know that edible paper. You, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we used to we used to use. And uh, this is like nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety eight. So I might, that might be wrong to be honest, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but funny enough, um, one of my friends sent me a picture a year ago of him making this again, and I was like, oh, there it is. And then when I turned that over, I was like, oh, there it is again. It's so good. What and what would you eat with that? With cheese or, or, or um, you can have it just on its own. Yeah, just oh, with little, cheese. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would have it sliced on bread the lady in the shop was oh, telling yeah. me I'm like yeah. really she said yeah yeah we'd come home from school and we were hungry and they had a whole lot of them hanging up yeah um like salamis to dry out through the year and she'd have it on bread yeah yeah but I would have it with cheese 
or just on its own. It's yeah. nice with the aniseed in it, and I put a bit of white rum in there too. Oh, it's um, <laughs> it's, I have to make this one again. Another <laughs> another recipe that I, that brought another memory back was the uh, chicken broth. You pronounce it Cap- capelletti. Capelletti. Little hats. Yeah, it's the shape of the pasta. So when I was in, it's not about me, but I'm going to tell you all my stories <laughs> no, anyway. No, 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 no. Yeah. Good. I like to hear when them. I, when I went to Italy for the first time skiing in the north of Italy, I think it'll have been at mm-hmm. school. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yep. We um. We were badly behaved. There was a lad called Danny Gilpin and we were drinking beers. We were at school, but we were like 14 or 15 or something, drinking beers. And we were throwing the beer bottles out the window. It was like a balcony window thing. Out the window, over the road and into the snow. And we're seeing who could throw the empty beer bottles the furthest. Anyway, we got caught. Someone's come up with a knock on the door. It was a teacher. So we got banned. We weren't allowed to go out that night. Everyone else, you know, go out on a night and go to the pizza place and... It's a bit of a free for all, to be totally honest, but it was it was great. And um, we got banned. We had to stay in the hotel and play games. We said, you know, with the younger, with the younger the pupils. So I was like, whatever, it's fine. It's only one night. And on that night, um, instead of going over pizza, you sit down and it's like a, everyone gets the same thing. Do you know what I mean? An entree, a main, and then a dessert. Mm-hmm. And the entree was chicken soup, but with it wasn't with with them in. It was um, little raviolis, and it was just like these four four or five little raviolis. It was like a clear broth. I'd never had this before. Either. It was clear broth. A little bit like grease on the top, which would have probably been olive oil, obviously. Mm. And uh, these little tortellini, I was like, what the, what's this? Do you know what I mean? I was a bit disappointed. Then I started eating it. I was like, oh, That's really good. man, that is really... Yeah. And that, honestly, no word of a lie, that is one of the... I always kind of wanted to be a chef. or what, like, I, I did always want to be a chef, but that was a, time, a big turning point where I was like, this is unbelievable. This is like... It doesn't have to be what you think it is. It looks like water, but it can be really rammed full of flavour. Do you know what I mean? And that was a real turning point for me. And when I found that and went through that dish, that's what that reminded me of. This um, chicken broth I make with a whole chicken, like with a whole organic chicken, I skin it Mm. and put the whole chicken and chop it into pieces and then just put a little bit of carrot and just a few vegetables in there and cook it down for about four or five hours. So it's really – it's not – clear it's not completely no clear. no the, yours isn't but yeah because yeah. it's really like golden rich. Isn't it? it's like it's like i call it liquid gold yeah, and then golden, to make yeah. a risotto with this with zucchini flowers and prosecco i can't tell you how good that risotto yeah, is yeah. when you use i know you shouldn't really you know you should probably use a vegetable stock but it's so good so that <laughs> that soup is really really good so the capelletti are like shaped like little hats yeah and they make them in Bologna. So the region of Emilia-Romagna um, borders the Adriatic Sea and it also goes inland. So you've got all Parma or Parma, Bologna. You've got all those Modena. You've got all those towns there. But on the coast, you've got Ravenna, which is closer to the coast, and then all the coastal area. Um, so inland, they have these capelletti with meat in them, in the soup. But in oh, Ravenna, they don't. Then. They have al, al magro, which means the, the lean version, which is ricotta and parmesan and nutmeg. And there's a lot of parmesan in there. So it's quite a rich, salty taste rather than them being ricotta. Yeah, So yeah, it's yeah. that proportion between um, – and, and they're really nice in a chicken broth. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was that. I thought it might have been – it was a lot again. That would have been like 93, 94. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it was a while But, yeah, ago. it was it – was, um, that and it, a, it might have been with that filling because yeah, it's, it's cheesy, I mean. but it's not ricotta. It's a really flavoursome ricotta, yeah, yeah, and that's maybe because you was. put so much parmesan and yeah. nutmeg in there. Yeah, maybe it was. Um, that's probably that's probably the dish. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, yeah which would be amazing. <laughs> another one of the, the another one of the recipes was the you do it as an omelette, uh, the wild asparagus omelette. But we 
So when we were in Sardinia, I should know. It was, I'm sure it was Sardinia. It was one of them where where the Planeta Winery is, and we went there on this excursion from work, and we were doing a dinner for them, and we had to go and learn the food and then bring it back and do it. Anyway, we went to this. We it was it was um went to this restaurant. And they said, "Oh yeah, we're going we're going to go take you to this restaurant," and it was just our party. Like I think there's like ten of us or fifteen of us, and we got to get to the restaurant, and there's no one there. The restaurant was empty, like completely empty. No one there. We're looking around. No one there. They said, "Oh no, he'll be here." I was like, "Like when? Like has he not got to get set up? Does he not have to start getting you know mise en place ready? You know we're coming mm-hmm. in for dinner." And he was like, "No, no, he'll be all right." I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Like I just couldn't get my head around it. Like you've got a table of ten or fifteen. Like I'd be worrying. I'd make sure I had all my prep ready. These guys didn't give two hoots, man. They were like, they just rocked up with like a bag of mussels and so, you know some bits and bobs. And anyway, they turned up with some some wild asparagus. And one of the dishes they did in there was a wild wild asparagus frittata. Same, you know, it's very similar. Just laid it out and then just cut it into wedges and you just got that Beautiful. bit of olive oil bump. It was, you know, it was just, just that approach. Again, that was another light bulb moment where like, why are we slogging our guts out to make this food? Do you know what I mean? And we were like stressing all day for this table of 10, like, if it was me, and they just rock up with a bag of mussels and some asparagus and away they go. Like, you know, we've got eggs, we've got some asparagus, we've got some tomato, you know, and just fucking simple, so if simple. If you've got good produce yeah. and you know what to do with it, you don't need to do anything complicated. You can really have something like this, which is just a bit of cheese in the middle of like the good yellow eggs that, yeah, you yeah. know, you buy really good eggs and it's just so simple. Wild asparagus um, grows in the hills around Trieste, so you can find it's illegal but people go and collect it and then stand like outside supermarket whatever and then go how much will you give me for this and you'll go okay two euros and go okay done you get a big (laughs) pile of asparagus like it's just been collected and it's beautiful there's nothing like it we can't get it here yeah 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 there's also wild garlic i don't know if you do if you do you know wild garlic where you get that back home like it's just running wild wild garlic and um here, you know, if you can get it, the cost charge like fifteen dollars a bunch or something. I know, like, it's, like, it's like nettles. Like, yeah, and I've got yeah. friends up in the country who go, "Oh my god, take them all!" Like they're, yeah. they're filling up everywhere. And here, you go to the farmers market; they're like five dollars for a little bunch. I'm it like, was, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you've got a new book coming. You've, you've well, I'm. I've just started it. researching it, so it's very. So um, what kind it's of very what, early days? What kind of time scale will that take to, to oh, do? Oh, it'll be twenty twenty. Oh yeah. And so they all take a couple of years, do you reckon? Yeah. So this one I did very quickly. Italian street food I did quickly because I met Paul in November, went off to Italy in December, and yeah. I had it into the publisher in the first week of April. By far. Now, I couldn't have done that. And I wasn't contracted to do the street photography in this one, and he said, oh, we'll just get it from Shutterstock. And I said, oh, no, no, I took some photos. I'll just give them to you. So they use them because, you know, I, I, so I thought for the next one, I said, no, no, I want all my photos this time. And that took me a lot of work. This took me 18 months. Did it? Yeah. And it's, from, I mean. From flying out or 18 months from the idea or, or what? 18 months from flying out. From flying out, yeah. It's a lot of work. Is it? Is Massive. That... Doing it all. I mean, I do my styling. I do my, yeah. I mean, I've got. For this book, I had um, a recipe editor, I had a book editor, I had two graphic designers. Far out. So that was that was good, um, but I did 
all the content I did. There's a few photos that my friend Ian took because he happened to be in Venice at the same time. So yeah. he's got some of the Venice photos. And he's a very good, he's a doctor, but he's he can afford the most amazing equipment. Yeah, and he's yeah. very good. So I've got a few of Ian's photos in there, which is great. And he give, gave me a few for this one too. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's all, it's all me. And it becomes overwhelming, particularly at the time when you've got recipes due and you're missing like five and you're like, oh. I don't know and then I don't like that one or you can't get that ingredient and you've got to be careful when you do traditional Italian cooking because some of the ingredients are not readily available here yeah 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 so you know I've substituted where I can but um yeah so will you regarding that will you will you go and get the recipes in Italy you see them and whatnot and then when you come back you you redo them here and and go through them then work it so you, you write the recipe there get maybe a few pictures of the area, come back home, trial the recipe, style the food, take the photo, and then put them two together effectively. Yeah, then yeah. Put, them, put them together. I mean, the recipes, if you read the blurb before each recipe, there's yeah. a description, and it's often either a, rest, a recipe that some I ate in a restaurant yeah. or that I talked. So whenever I go to a town, I'll go to a market, and I'll see what the, I love the fresh food market. And I'll look at the ingredient and I'll say to someone, what do you make with this? What, what would you make with this? Yeah, yeah. And then I'll go and write some notes down and then I'll do some research. I buy um, old books. where So I used about, I probably bought about 12 old recipe books. Now, they're recipe books that don't, they're not like this recipe yeah, books. Yeah, they don't it. have ingredients. They might have a paragraph. The great thing for you is you, you obviously read Italian yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, I so read and yeah, write and speak exactly. Italian. So it's, so it's really easy for yeah. me to do that. And then I will take that recipe home. If I haven't eaten it there, I will experiment with it and try it and see if it works or not. And then I might can it. Or I might keep if it. it. If it doesn't work or I can't get the ingredients, I'll just – and there were, there were about 10 that didn't. And then I had to find other ones because I thought, no, it's too similar to that one or it doesn't yeah, really yeah. reflect that area. I wanted things that were really reflecting of the area, but people could find the ingredients that there wasn't too much seafood because then half of America, three-quarters of America is – cut out because they've got Central. very few coasts yeah, 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 coasts yeah. and they were at least for italian street food a very big big market yeah um so i had to consider that too and it was a massive process um yeah. but it was it was really good and i i wish my father was alive because there's a photo of him at the beginning oh, from the beautiful. 40s so yeah the, um, also we're near the end but you also do a uh, you mentioned it briefly your cookery classes at mm. home right mm. so what are mm. them and how can people find them so um that's on my website Italy on my mind and just look up cooking classes i run them i'm running two this weekend and oh. they're they're both gnocchi which is i don't know why i did one after the other because there's so much work um there are three types of gnocchi potato semolina and ricotta and um i have it's in my home i have six people and I get my big dining table, put out six big pasta boards and they work on that and I work on the kitchen bench demo and then we, we eat at the end. Yeah. Um, different types of classes. I have pasta sauces, which is more demo, do five sauces, including my mum's meat ragu, which is very special. Yeah. Um, so that you'll do that and show people how to do it. I show it. that yeah. and then yeah. get them up to help me yeah, do yeah. that because yeah. in that one they can't. The pasta 101 class that everyone has their own pasta machine, so I have seven pasta machines. Yeah. Um, and everyone will make egg-free pasta rolled by hand pasta la chitarra which is on that guitar shape yeah yeah will they make a fettuccine they'll make some ravioli then i have an advanced class that is more colored striped pasta and you know yeah 
I have a sweets class, biscotti. I have a strudel making class. The very thin, thin. That's I love in, in strudel. That one. That's, yeah. that's strudel's also. Um, Switzerland, not Switzerland. Um, uh, yeah, but is it Switzerland? Austria, Austria but sorry. it's also yeah, Croatia. Yeah. So yeah, the pastry Croatia, that yeah. um, I've got some—it's my mum's recipe. You stretch, thing, it, right? you, you stretch it till it's like fifty-five by sixty-five centimeters big, yeah. and you stretch it by hand. You've got to yeah. be able to read through it. Can you do that? Yeah, I do classes for that, and I love making that too. Yeah. And um, maybe yeah, I, I'm interested in that. Yeah, there's the recipes in there. Yeah, maybe I need a demo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might, you might. I don't think I'll be able to do that by So all. classes are po- um, booked out till March. Yeah. Oh, well, you do that, Except right? for yeah, I had two cancellations for December for a sweets class, but I'll put them on Instagram. Instagram's been really good yeah. for me. So um, what is it? What's your Instagram if you want to follow you? Yeah, Italy on my mind. Italy on your mind. So easy. I post uh, it nearly every day, except if I'm in, on a plane, I will post. Yeah. So and stories, and if- yeah. But but mainly, yeah. I, I love Instagram, and it's how what has made a lot of this possible. Mm. Um, other things to mention: I've got another launch event for Adriatico at Joni's Barretto in Thornbury. It's oh, called yeah. Adriatico Aperitivo. So we're having you know, aperitivo and some little snacks from the book. I'll make some of them, and then the staff at Joni's will make some. That's on the 20th of November. And then I've got my tours, which is the big one in uh, April, end of April next year in Puglia, in southern Puglia. So sort of tracking where I went in the book uh, to research in the Salento. And then I've got another Trieste tour coming up last week of May. So I'll be away for five weeks uh, researching my book in the middle of it. Husband's still at home? Now he's coming on oh, that one. Oh, beautiful. He hasn't been for a few years, so he's taking, not for the whole time yeah, because he yeah. can't, but he'll come for three weeks, That's not during awesome. the tours, yeah. That's awesome. To finish off, yes. I want to say, ask you a few quick fire questions. Yes. Moretti or Peroni? Oh, birra Moretti. Moretti. Uh, pizza or pasta? Pasta. Pasta? Pasta. I've got to say, I went to, um, I interviewed Banjo a few weeks ago and he's got a Capitana, I think it's called. Oh, fuck, I hope that's right. Capitana, I'll put a link in it if needs be. Um, It's in Carlton, I think it is. Yeah, Carlton. It's more of an, it's, I don't know, it's a bit more American pizza-ish, but I tell you, it was the best pizza I've had in a long time. I don't know if it is American more, I don't know, the guy who's the chef there, he's he's from America, I think, or somewhere on there, I'm probably just totally fucking this up, but at the end of the day, <laughs> it's Banjo's place, Capitano, I think it's called, I'm pretty Capitano, sure it's... Capitano, that rings a bell, you yeah, know, yeah. It's on the corner, um... Yeah, went opposite where the old um, farmer's market used to be. But the pizza there was unbelievable. Really? Honestly, it was really, really good. I mean, I love pizza, but a really good handmade pasta. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Rome or Florence? Rome. Rome. Oh, it's edgy. It's it's um, it's happening and everyone would should pick Florence. Everyone will pick Florence probably. So, Rome. <laughs> <laughs> so Vatican or Colosseum? Colosseum. Yeah, yeah. The Colosseum is yeah. off the... If you let your imagination go when you're in there, it just blows your mind, doesn't it's, it? It's crazy thinking of what happened in there and how yeah. these people built that. Like, and if anyone does go, I would say, no matter what, get a tour. Honestly, I was always like, oh, them tours, I don't know about that. And then I got one, I'm like, now if there's a tour, I just get it. Like, yeah. no, it's way better. It's yeah, way, it changes the whole um, experience of, of, of going on them places. It's like I'm going to Pompeii, getting a tour too. Yeah, I've been to Pompeii. Pompeii's amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing. That, again, that blows your mind. Um, and then the last one, I'm going to fuck this up probably, Fior de Latte. Fior de Latte. Yeah. No, or good. Vanilla. 
Ice Fior- cream. Oh, ice cream. Uh, Fiorli latte, of course, which is like, I mean, flour of milk. So it's a milky tasting So ice delicate, cream. isn't it? Beautiful. I love it as well. Beautiful. Vanilla is just like, yeah, vanilla. But on that note, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Robbie. That was fantastic. Cheers. Thank you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please tell a friend or give us a rating or review on your podcast app. It all helps to get more listeners. Thanks. Until next week, have a good one.